Let's pray. Jesus, thanks so much for this day. So many things happening, so many reminders of the challenges we face in this world, but also how you are redemptive and a loving and a freedom-expressing God. And so we just pray, Jesus, that you will speak to our hearts now in your name. Amen. There are so many metaphors that are in the Bible to describe God. God is described as the potter in the Old Testament and, and that we are, he molds us and shapes us. Of course, God is the metaphor. The metaphor is used of God as a rock, our foundation, our, 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 our strength. The metaphor of a female bird, of a mother bird, the metaphor of a, of a mother bear, the metaphor of a mother giving birth, the metaphor of a mother nursing her child. These are all metaphors that are used to describe God and give us examples and representations of who God is. The metaphor, though, that is probably used more than any, or not probably, but is used more than any other in Scripture is this metaphor of God as our Father. God as our Father. But referring to Father, God as Father, is more than just a metaphor. It's more than just a, a reference so that we can express the characteristics of God. It reveals more than just the personal attributes of God. It actually is who God is. He is our Father. It was the name that Jesus himself gave or encouraged us to reference God with. Jesus said, when the disciples were saying, teach us how to pray, he said, say this, our Father, which art in heaven. Our Father, which art in heaven. He didn't say our father, I mean, our, our sister or our, our brother. He didn't say pray our boss or our master or our distant cousin or whatever it may be, or our mother. He said, pray our father. Now, now some people like to say that Jesus only said this. He only used this phrase to conform to the social norms of society, that really using father is now antiquated and and outdated, and we shouldn't be so gender biased in our society. But, but then on the other hand, those same exact people would likely also point out that, that Jesus never conformed to any social norms. In fact, we always like to point out how Jesus broke the social norms of class and, and religion and, and, and gender by inviting women to be a part of his disciple group. We, we acknowledge that Jesus broke the social norms of Sabbath. There were certain expectations upon the Sabbath that, that, that were given by society, and Jesus pushed back against those social or cultural expectations of the day. I don't think we can have it both ways. And I do think that Jesus was one that went against social norms. And thus, when he said, pray our Father, this was not about social etiquette. It is God's name, our Father. Now, this, of course, does not mean that, that God is confined to, to gender as we understand gender. God is, is above gender. Uh, John chapter 4, verse 24 says that God is spirit, and those who worship God worship him in spirit and in truth. Referring to God as Father is not some opportunity for us to say that men are superior to women. Genesis chapter 1 
verses 26 and 27 clearly teaches us that both male and female are made in the image of God. And Ellen White describes this moment so beautifully when she says, Eve was created from a rib taken from Adam, signifying that she was not to control him as the head, nor to be trampled under his feet as an inferior, but to stand by his side as an equal to be loved and protected by him, a part of man, bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh. And then I love this phrase that she says, his second self. In other words, just as he is, she is equal. So God is above gender, but still he is our father. God is, 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 is labeled in the, in the masculine term, and yet it does not make men superior to women. God, our Father, pray this, our Father, which art in heaven. Now, some, maybe even in here, still have a challenge with labeling God as Father, not because, not because they're worried about the social norms of things, but because it's difficult for them as they had a father that was absent. They had a father that was unloving. They had a father that, that was abusive, neglectful. But even with that, I believe that within all of us, within every one of us, there is, there is a, an intrinsic knowledge, an intrinsic understanding of what a good father should be. We all have need to be loved. We all have need to be cared for. We all have need to be nurtured and, and encouraged. And we instinctively know that this is what a good father should do. And it would be wonderful if every earthly father did do this. But, but we know that, that, that there are many that did not. And we know that even the best of earthly fathers, I have a great dad, but, but even the best of earthly fathers come up short in some respect, which is why no matter if we have a good father or a bad father, we all are in desperate need of the perfect father, our heavenly father, God in heaven. And God gives us this blessing, but there's something else that God does for us that, that no earthly father could ever do. God offers us a gift that no earthly father can ever offer us. And that is the gift and the opportunity of freedom through Jesus from the bondage of sin and lostness. The text that many of us know, probably most of us know, John chapter three, verse 16 and 17 says, for God so loved the world, speaking there of God the Father, God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but shall have everlasting life. And that God sent his son, God the Father, sent his son into the world, not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. This is a promise of freedom. It is a gift that was given to us, a gift of freedom that we did not have the power to gain for ourselves, a gift that was given to us not by our own works or by our own actions. You know, we're tempted sometimes to try to prove to God that we are deserving of this gift. But the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave us this gift. We are tempted to try to work hard 
for this gift, to, to receive some of that recognition. We're, we're tempted to try to prove to God that we are worthy of this gift. This is, this is I think, part of our sinful nature, our, our human nature. Uh, not too many weeks ago, I just think a couple weeks ago before I went to a general conference session, I was in the kitchen and Christina came home from work and we were talking and I mentioned that one of our sons, I said, and I won't say which one, I said, this son was so helpful today. And I said it not knowing that another of our sons was in the room. And behind me, I immediately heard him chime in and say, dad, and then he mentioned himself and his other brother, we brought up the trash cans from the curb so that you wouldn't have to. You know, inside of him, he's wanting to say, I, I, I get love too. I'm, I'm deserving of the love too, the praise too as well. There's, there's something in our, just our human nature that, 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 that calls for that. And yet we try to do this with God. We try to say, God, look, look, I'm good enough. Will you give me freedom from my sin? Will you give me freedom from this lostness that I'm in? And, and, and God wants us to know that freedom is already yours. I gave it to you because I loved you, not because of who you are. God loves us just because. And God doesn't love you just because of Jesus. I was listening to a sermon and I heard this, that, that, that because of his son, God can't help but love you. No. Jesus died for you because God loved you. God, didn't, God doesn't love you because Jesus died for you. Hear that. Jesus died for you because God already loved you. In my Connect group, my small group, and I hope all of you, if you're not already, will join a Connect group or start a Connect group. This fall, we'll launch them again. And we think that everybody should be in them, especially in a church of this size where people are coming and going to connect. We all need to be in our Connect groups. But in my men's connect group, we are studying the book of Ephesians. And in Ephesians chapter one, verses three through five, it reads this way. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us, this is talking about God the Father, for God the Father chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. That means to be free from the, from the burden, from the destruction of sin. In love, speaking of God the Father, in love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. And listen to what it says. In accordance with his pleasure and his will. Sometimes we get this idea that Jesus loves us and we hope that God loves us too because of Jesus. That's not the case. Because of God's pleasure and his will, in love, he sent Jesus and he chose you. He, he predestined you to be his sons and his daughters. Predestined simply means that that's already the decision of his heart. And it's just now our decision of whether or not we will accept that sonship or daughtership of Jesus. He chose us before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless. That means to be free from the burdens of sin, free from trying to earn our own salvation, free from the fear of being lost. And how did God do this? The Bible tells us that he adopted us as sons and daughters. And that's what pleased him. That was an act of his will to do that for us. In Romans chapter eight, verses 14 through 17, 
The Bible says, for those that are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. So when we accept God, we are the children of God. The, the Spirit you receive, the Bible says, does not make you slaves. Listen to this. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship, and by Him we cry, Abba, Father. In other words, we start out we, we, in our sinfulness, in our lostness, we, we have this feeling of like that we're slaves, that we are, that we're in bondage, that, 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 that we have no power, that, that, that there's a master that, that is beyond us, that, that, that persecutes us, that tortures us. But then we realize through the power of God, through the love of God, through the death of Jesus, that we are actually able to call to the almighty God, Abba. Father, not slave, not person in bondage, but, but free, Abba, Father. The scripture goes on, the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. You may have a good earthly father. You may have a bad earthly father, but all of us are in need of the good and perfect heavenly father, the one that can truly set us free from the bondage and the slavery of this world. Your adoption by God out of his goodwill and his good pleasure gives you the right to no longer define yourself as a slave, but now to know with absolute uh, certainty that you can call him Abba and Father. Brothers and sisters, tomorrow is Father's Day and many will honor their earthly fathers for what they've done. Some of you, Father's Day is a tough day as you've You've lost your dads, and, and this day reminds you of that, that deep loss that you feel in your life. Some of you, for some of you, you just ignore the day as a whole because your father was not a good earthly father. But I want you to know that above all, each one of us can, on this day, take hope in this, that we have a good heavenly father, one who has set us free, and you can know that, you can trust that, that he loves and chose you. He chose you knowing what you would do in your life. He chose you knowing the decisions, both good and bad, that you would make in your life. He chose us in order so that we could know that we can be more than slaves, we can be free with a heavenly father as sons and daughters of God. No matter who your father is, I hope that is the father that you will choose above all. Now we could end there and we could say, well, it's wonderful that we are aware of the father in heaven that we have. It's so wonderful that we have a good and perfect Father, but, but we are Seventh-day Adventists, and therefore that means we have a commission. You see, there are many people that are in this world that do not realize that they are actually free. They do not realize that they are actually uh, set free to live a life better than the life they're living. There are many people in this world that are still slaves and still in bondage and still, still disenfranchised in so many ways. 
And you know what I would say to the men in this room, that the best gift that we can give our children, the best gift that we can give our wives, the best gift that we can give our friends if we're not married and we don't have wives, the best gift that we can give to our neighbors, to our coworkers, to, to anybody we meet, the best gift that we can give is to tell them that they can be set free also in Christ Jesus that we can be the ones to teach others that there is freedom, not because of their works, not because of their goodness, but because there was a God who chose long ago by his goodwill and his good pleasure to love them infinitely. You know, tomorrow is Father's Day, but tomorrow is also June 19th. And here in the United States, June 19th is known as Juneteenth. It is the day that commemorates the emancipation of black people from slavery in our nation. And the one who made the Emancipation Proclamation was Abraham Lincoln. And, and we're told by several historians, the one I'll quote here is Alan Guelzo, that at the end of, of Abraham's, or at the end of the Civil War, towards the end of the Civil War, when, when, the, when the North had pushed further and further south and, and the Confederacy had to abandon Richmond, the capital of the Confederacy, Abraham Lincoln went down to, to, to view the newly occupied by Union forces, Richmond, Virginia. And, and they said while he was there that a group of recently free slave, freed slaves mobbed Abraham Lincoln in gratitude. And what did they call out? Father Abraham, thank you. Father Abraham, thank you. He was their father because he had given them this, this freedom that they had not known. In a paper presented at the University of Virginia, the following history is relayed as, as the messages that were preached on the first Sunday after President Lincoln's assassination in the black churches. It says the black community, both free and slave, had a picture of Lincoln all its own. He was their Messiah, their Savior. They called him in their messages, Father, as if it were part of his name. They expected him as the Israelites did Moses. To them, Lincoln was bigger than life and higher than any mortal man. The freedmen had prayed he would come. They waited for him to come. And when he came, like a being from heaven, he had answered their prayers and never broke a promise to their hope. This idea, in fact, of referring to President Lincoln as Father Abraham was condemned by the white clergy in the newspapers. The slaves and ex-slaves, they said, had fairly blasphemed. How dare they call him Father Abraham? or a type of Christ, or Moses. But these people were just so excited to be free, free from their bondage, free from their, their slavery. He was Father Abraham, the one that had declared them free. But if you know your history, if you know your history, you will know that the Emancipation Proclamation didn't actually occur on June 19th. It actually occurred on January 1st, 1863, in which Father Abraham declared that all persons held as slaves within the rebellious states are here and henceforth shall be free. So why do we celebrate June 19 as Juneteenth? We celebrate June 19 as Juneteenth because on June 19 in 1865 in Galveston, Texas, General Order Number 3 was given by Union Army General Gordon Granger, proclaiming freedom for the enslaved persons in Texas. You see, word had not gotten to Texas that black people were free. 
And even though the war had ended, and even though the proclamation had taken place over two years before, they were still in bondage there in Texas until Gordon Granger came down and said, no, order number three, you are all free. And the last state with institutional slavery was finally made a free state. Men, we can't grant anyone in this world freedom, but you can deliver the message to your colleagues and your neighbors that long ago, our good and gracious Heavenly Father declared them free. Parents, you can't actually give your kids freedom. We always say, we wanna give our kids, you can't give your kids freedom. In this world, they will be under the bondage of sin. But what we can do is we can introduce them to the one who sets them free, Jesus Christ. I can never be an Abraham Lincoln. You can never be an Abraham Lincoln. We can never be God in heaven, but we can be General Granger who comes with the message for all people that because of the goodwill and the good pleasure of our God in heaven, our Father, you are free in Jesus Christ. It's great for us to have freedom, but we have a message to declare the world that there is freedom in our Savior. And so I pray that for the glory of our good and perfect Heavenly Father, that we will be a people that know we are free and tell others that they can be free indeed. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for the freedom that comes from you and you alone. Not because we are worthy of it, not because we have worked for it, but because your father and our father said, go, go and die for them so that they can know that what it means to live in the hope and the freedom and the forgiveness of a good, good father. Lord, may we live in that assurance as a people and may we take that message of freedom to those in our world who have not yet heard that they have been proclaimed free by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. In your name we pray. Amen.